panel. A very good way to open the day after the introduction of uh, Mr. Padimitriou. And now I will kindly ask uh, Abdul Rahim to uh, come and take the uh, podium and guide us through the uh, landscape of uh, alternative fuels. And he's been with us several times, so it's always great to see uh, a good friend come back. Thank you very much. And you have the clock down there. Kalimera, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Abdul Rahim from Class NK. And thank you, Nicholas and his team, for putting up this great show and uh, inviting me to share a few thoughts on alternative fuels. So today what I'm going to talk about is what is aimed for and where we are as far as alternative fuels are concerned. Just a brief summary. In 2023, the EEXA and CIA regulations kicked in. And uh, in July, MEPC 80 revised the initial IMO GAG strategy, which I'll come to in a couple of minutes. And we are in the process of developing the LCA guidelines. And late 2020s, the midterm measures, including carbon pricing, will kick in, and we are still working on that. And this is a comparison of the initial IMO GAG strategy and the 2023 strategy. The main difference is from tank to wake, now it is going to well to wake. And the key point is the 2040, where we have to reduce the annual GEG emission by at least 70 percentage. And by 2050, we have to reach net zero GEG emission by or around 2050. You might think 2050 is critical. It's not. 2040 is critical, because 2040 is just 17 years away. So the, the ship that you built today, 70% of them, half to half, the GHG emission reduced by 70%. That is going to be very critical. Now, there are, what are the approaches to reduce GHG emissions? It can be economic measures and technical measures. Different countries and organizations have proposed different things. So, for example, Japan has proposed the free, I mean, fee bait. That is, ships that use fossil fuel pay for the levy, and ships using zero emission fuels receive that rebate. And then the Marshall Islands and Solomon Islands have proposed GHG levy. Then the International Chamber of Shipping has proposed funding and reward. Then coming to technical measures, EU countries, Norway and DC, has proposed GHG fuel standards. And China is proposing International Maritime Sustainable Fuel and Fund. Now coming to economic measures, the, the key point is to reduce the price gap between conventional fuels and alternative fuels. And second, the players may be inefficient and the ships may use conventional fuels. I mean, they have to pay, and the pays are not only energy efficient ships or ships using alternative fuels, but also developing countries and uh, new projects. And point number three, it is proposed that most of revenue coming from economic measures should be used within our sector to facilitate the transition to zero carbon fuels. Now, looking at the timeline for midterm measures, it is to be identified and implemented by 2025, which will kick in two years later by 2027. So it's a combination of technical elements and economic elements. In the technical element, the goal-based marine fuel standard regulating the phased reduction of uh, marine fuel GHG intensity. 
and economic element is on the basis of a maritime GAG emission pricing mechanism. So a comprehensive impact assessment is being developed, and this is the basic timeline. By next spring, the basket of measures will be finalized, and by autumn 2024 at MEPC 82, the comprehensive impact assessment will be completed. Then MEPC 83 will approve the midterm measures, and by autumn 2025, it will be adopted, and by 2027, it will enter into force. Now, looking at the LCA guidelines, here the main point is, you know, it is calculating GHG from well to weak basis, not from tank to weak basis. And then they are to be developed as a freestanding guidelines, and then it should refrain from suggesting amends, amendments to existing IMO regulations, such, a, such as CAA in developing the LCA guidelines. That is, LCA guidelines will be developed independently, and it should not influence the other IMO regulations. And in case CAA should be calculated on well-to-wake basis by using these guidelines, a separate discussion will be necessary at IMO in the future. You cannot just straight away bring it in. Now look at the alternative fuel vessels currently running out of 100,000 vessels. I think the bottom right, I don't know whether you can see from far away, about 1,000 vessels currently are running on alternative fuels. That is just a mere one percentage of the total vessels running. It's promising to note that 23% of the vessels currently on order are ordered to run on alternative fuels. Out of the nearly 5,000 vessels, about 1,000 vessels are ordered to run on alternative fuels. Of course, it's predominantly LNG and then methanol and LPG. LNG because uh, it's, most of it is for LNG carriers and container ships. And uh, LPG is for LPG carriers where you are using the, uh, the cargo as fuel. And uh, the methanol, predominantly their container ships. Now let me briefly talk about the alternative fuels. Of course, there can be many, but currently we are considering key five alternative fuels, hydrogen, ammonia, E or biomethane, E or biomethanol, and E or biodiesel oil. First, let me go into the pros. For hydrogen and ammonia, the, ex the, the supply can be expanded. And for biomethane, the supply network is already developed. Existing LNG engines can be used, so you don't have to develop new engines. And biomethanol is easy to handle because at uh, normal room temperature, it is liquid. And biodiesel oil, easy to handle, and existing engines can be used. But coming to prawns, say hydrogen, you need maybe four to five times the tank volume for the same output, and of course, it's prone to explosiveness because of uh, the, the property of hydrogen. And since it, most probably it will be carried in liquid form, which is minus 253 degree, 53 degrees centigrade, which is very close to absolute zero. So there is a possibility of embrittlement permeability. Then ammonia, of course, its toxicity, if it is inhaled, Beyond a certain concentration, it is detrimental to the health and, and uh, low flammability and uh, N2O emissions. And biomethane, as you know, just like any others, it's the, the biggest bottleneck is methane slip, and we are working on it. <clears throat> and coming to biomethanol and biodiesel oil, the supply is comparatively very low. So not many ships will be able to 
Now let me talk about a couple of projects that is ongoing in Japan. First one is the ammonia fueled tugboat. Here the partners are NV Kaline, IHA Power Systems, and Class NK. So this will be running around the port of Yokohama, and the target delivery is next year. And the land-based four-stroke ammonia fuel engine has successfully been tested by 80 percentage and above ammonia co-firing ratio that is done in May 2023. And this is the, the land-based test setup. And this is just a, a schematic of the time schedule. The main engine will be developed by IHA Power Systems. It's a four-stroke main engine. And design, building, and operation will be carried out by NYK. And the delivery is expected in 2024. What Class NK is doing is we are doing the safety assessment. And we are developing a guidelines and we are doing the fundamental research for that. Uh, many regulations are to be cleared, and we will support the industry in clearing these regulations. Next one is an ammonia-fueled gas carrier, NYK, Nihon Shipyard, Japan Engine Corporation, which was the previous Mitsubishi, IHA Power Systems, and Klassen K are working on it. So in May 2023, we started testing the two-stroke ammonia-fueled main engine, and this vessel is scheduled for delivery in 2026. And this is the test engine. And this is the schedule. Main engine, as I mentioned, is, will be made by Japan Engine Corporation. And the auxiliary engine will be by IHA Power Systems. And Nihon Shipyard will do the design and building. And uh, NVKLIM will operate the ship. Here again, the class role is the same. Now, coming to ammonia-fueled bulk carrier, Itochu Corporation, that is the leader in it and the Nihon Shipyard, Mitsui Endless Missionary, K-Line, and NS United are partnering in it. They are going for a basic design of 200,000 deadweight bulk carrier. The delivery of the vessel possibly in 2026. And these schematics are shown at bottom, and it is being funded partly by Green Innovation Fund in Japan, which is supporting not only the maritime industry, many other industries, to achieve decarbonization. And the shipbuilding will be done by Nihon Shipyard. And the, uh, the operation will be K-Line and NS United. And we are considering ammonia bunkering mainly in Japan and Singapore to initially develop and in other parts of the world later. And uh, the supply of ammonia will be from worldwide operation of Itochu and its partners. Now coming to hydrogen fuel ships. Three companies are part participating in a consortium called Hienge. Kawasaki Heavy Industries, Yanmar Power Technology, and Japan Engine Corporation. And the aim is to promote hydrogen-fueled engine development. We are planning onboard demonstration tests by 2027. And uh, KHI will develop a four-stroke medium-speed hydrogen fuel engine. It's mainly for the auxiliary power generation for liquefied hydrogen carrier. As you know, the first liquefied hydrogen carrier in the world was delivered in 2021, two years ago. And now we are planning a 160,000 hydrogen, liquid hydrogen carrier. It, it has four tanks of 40,000 cubic meter each. And then Yanmar will develop four-stroke high medium speed engine fueled by hydrogen. This is for auxiliary power generation or propulsion of a coastal oil tanker. And JNG is, is developing a two-stroke low speed hydrogen fueled engine of 5,000 kilowatt, it's mainly to propel an ocean-going bulk carrier. Then preventing methane slip is another major issue that we are tackling. Hitachi Sosen, Yanmar, and Moil are collaborating on it. And um, this 
project aims to develop the technology to reduce methane slip on LNG fuel ships by at least 60% by 2026. Now, carbon capture. Uh, in the opening speech, Dr. Papa Dimitrios mentioned about carbon capture, or uh, hydrogen or ammonia. Of course, these technologies are still nascent. Don't expect the ships to run on that tomorrow. It may take at least uh, maybe one decade before it is becoming somewhat uh, used on several ships. And this CC Ocean project, Mitsubishi, K-Line, and Class NK participated. So the test setup is on, shown on the top right photo on a ship. And so we have uh, successfully demonstrated that carbon capture is feasible. So this project operated for seven months. I'd installed on an 88,000 deadweight coal carrier. And this is the world's first carbon capture device on board that successfully captured CO2. What we need? We need stakeholders' contribution and cooperation. Each and every sector of the industry has to cooperate. So governments, classification societies, shippers, shipbuilders, engine manufacturers, suppliers, ship owners, financiers, everybody has to come together, discuss, and pull in one direction to make this possible. And this is my final slide. Class NK is working on several projects and several certification schemes as shown on the left. And also, we are going to issue a white paper soon, visualizing the actions required by the revised IMO GHG strategy with the estimation of total GHG emissions, the scale of introduction of GHG emission fuels, or zero, sorry, zero emission fuels, and the scale of introduction of zero emission fuel ships. That is for fuels, ships, and how to reduce GHG emissions. This I would like to conclude my presentation. Thank you very much.